This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering. First. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Hello and welcome to the world's best construction podcast. This episode is sponsored by Trimble Viewpoint. I'm your host, Fred, and I'm joined by Liam Marsh and back from being off sick, Luke Bly. Very pleased to have you back, mate. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Yeah, feeling better, mate. Still got a little bit of a uh, bit of a cough. Yeah, but other than that, I'm I'm much better, feeling myself. It's great to uh, it's great to be back on the potty, mate. Great to be back on the potty. You've been a busy boy though, haven't you? I have. I've mm. been to New York, uh, very kind of flying visits to New York over about four days. Mm. Uh, back in the UK now, I'm trying to adjust my body to get ready to go to Sydney for the Get Construction Talking event down there with Liam, <laughs> which should be good. Um, yeah, it's all been, all been going on. I missed you last week on the podcast, mate. I have to say it was quite laboured trying to get a conversation with Liam, yeah. but um, we well, got there in the end. Mm. There we go, mate. Steady. Not everyone's a loop Bly walker, are they? You know, <laughs> not everyone is. But it was that. nice. I thought you guys did a good job. I think you did a really good job. Mm, I enjoyed average. listening to it. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Just need to start pumping out some um, more interesting videos, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. True. Plenty of chat about when there's an interesting project. <laughs> no, I'm just How are you doing, Liam? Are you ready for the, the Fred Mills state visit to Australia? I am, mate. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick you up personally from the airport myself. I'm going to have a little Ooh. Fred Mills sign at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> nice and embarrassed, mate. Um, yeah, mate. I am. I am. You're coming over with Victoria, one of our one of our team members as well. Um, I am excited. It's it's going to be good to have some B1M crew here on some normal hours, working hours, and not talking to you at you know nine ten at night. Um, great. Going to show you guys around. Going to take you out of Bondi, mate. Take you around the city. Go get some food. Then have a yeah. epic event next Thursday night. Yeah, can't oh. wait. It's going to be lots of cool stuff. I've got some really cool stuff planned in Sydney, which I'm not going to spoil for you guys, but there's some good on-the-ground stuff happening, which we're excited about. I bet I'll see a spider or a snake. Or hey, I, I, I tell you, I, I forgot to say it last week. What you really need to do is always check your shoes before you put them on. And a really important thing, like every single person does this in Australia, when you go to the toilet, always check under the toilet seat because spiders like to hide under there when it's hot so they can cool down. Are you kidding Not me? Not to freak Is this out. real? Is this real? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't want to go. People actually go. check their shoes, like, and they check. You're winding us up. No, mate. Just be careful, <laughs> mate. Can't be too I'm, careful. I'm going to hang my shoes from the light in the middle of the room, like, just suspend them. <laughs> yeah, mate. They'll get up there myself, to be honest. You'd be surprised at where they can. Where they where they can get to? Oh, don't say that! Oh no! <laughs> You'd be surprised where they can get to. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> Check the toilet seat. I mean, I did for a while when I when I moved into my house because 
I think they left a window in when the previous um, owners moved oh. out, and we kept finding. I think I was talking about it on the show actually. Giant huntsmen's like every night yeah. we see like two or three in the house. So uh, I checked the toilet seat for like a good six months, and now I'm like. <laughs> It's all good. So one of the big things that hits you in New York is the rat problem. Like there are big rats walking around the city, down the street, crossing the road. Like it's it's startling to be quite honest. But uh, it's got to the stage now where New York's appointed a rat czar. Um, and this lady, she, she introduced herself by saying, you're going to see a lot more of me and a lot less rats. That was her kind of like big opening bit. Um, but then the New York Times did like a roundup of rat horror stories. And there was a guy... <laughs> Who was brushing his teeth and heard a rat splashing around in his toilet bowl. A rat had swum up the sewer into his toilet bowl, which point he flushed the toilet and the thing went swimming back down again. And uh, he uh, he then taped the toilet sheet shut. That can't be true. And put a lot of books on top of it, yeah. That can't be true. There's also a famous story because some of the pavements are a bit bit weak in New York. There's a bit of a thing about that. Uh, there was a man, and this is all over the news, it's on BBC News, New York Times, CNN, CNBC, whatever, Fox, wherever you're interested, it's all, all on there. But this guy was walking along, and uh, he the pavement collapsed, and he fell into a chasm filled with rats, and had to oh, be rescued no. by the fire department. Yeah. He was wow. in there for 30 minutes, and he couldn't scream for help, because he was covered in rats, and was worried they might go down his mouth. Like, they bite you're him? winding me up. Yeah, he, had, he was taken to hospital. He had bites. He had, obviously, fall injuries. Yeah. It's like something you've seen I'm in a not, movie. I'm not making yeah, yeah. up. That is, we're going to drop the link for that in the description, guys. Because <laughs> you, otherwise you won't believe me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, back onto the architecture and construction. New York, obviously, is incredible. We were there filming our new 30-minute long form that's going to be coming out end of the year. Uh, but I got to see loads of stuff in construction progress but the big one thing that stands out of the strikes i came over the williamsburg bridge right on the way into town um mm. 270 park avenue this is the new jp morgan chase building that we've covered is absolutely enormous it dominates the skyline already it is big seriously it is bulky. yeah it is tall it's not even topped out yet but it is a big big, a big building boy. yeah i even got, went up there early one morning to have a look at it and it is it's an incredible construction site, incredible projects. Yeah. That is actually the biggest skyscraper currently being constructed in the US right now. So, wow. yeah. Yeah, I'm big looking boy. Like it. It, mate. Does it look good? Yeah. I think what, what you're struck by is that the finish is very, very good. The engineering at the base is insane. It's got those like splaying beams kind of at the bottom of it. But it's just the scale of it. You know, it is, it's $3 billion. It's being built entirely for JP Morgan Chase. They've got, Lots of buildings around that area already that I think they're demolishing and moving out of to create a new square, and then all of JP Morgan Chase is moving into this new building. Um, yeah, the money, the money, the scale, uh, and the cost of building in New York is just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Future icon, mate. Future icon of New York City. Yeah, easily. It does look good. That Foster and Part of Design is really good when you put in yeah. something that big on the skyline it's got to be right you know yeah. it can't be a walkie-talkie or something like that it's got to be decent <laughs> <laughs> we love the walkie-talkie mate we love mm. the walkie-talkie, which gets a mention in this uh in this week's video 
Not, not a positive one, but, you know, I was no. like, oh, Fred did that on purpose. <laughs> know it. <laughs> yeah. We've got a very good episode coming up for you today, guys. We're talking about the Woolworth building and the struggle to save New York's oldest skyscrapers, a video that came out on the B1M yesterday. We are also then swinging over to Saudi Arabia, like we always do on this podcast, to talk about some dramatic new mountain hotels that have been announced. The Sydney Opera House has turned 50 years old. We're going to do a little bit of a chat about that. Uh, we're then wrapping up with Singapore's Vertical Garden Hotel, which looks absolutely incredible. As ever, the whole thing is going to be filled with plenty of banter, debate and discussion about architecture and construction and some of your comments from the week. Let's do it. Let's get cracking. Let's go. First of this week, we are talking about New York's Woolworth Building and the struggle to save some of New York's oldest skyscrapers. Now, this is a video that came out on the B1M yesterday, and it's fascinating how we put this together. Basically, the Woolworth Building, as you guys probably know, is one of New York's most iconic skyscrapers, right? It's beautiful. Everyone talks about it. It's kind of very revered. But its checkered history has not always lived up to that grand appearance. So this skyscraper was built right back at the start of the skyscraper boom in a style that then quickly went out of fashion and brought with it a huge maintenance bill. Uh, and what we've looked at in this video is how the story of the Woolworth building's survival can actually tell us quite a lot about how buildings live and survive in the Big Apple. So this is a pretty interesting story. Before we get into the detail and the history, hot takes on the video. Good, bad, hot or not, what do you reckon? Loved it, mate. Loved it. I love me a New York video. The B1M in New York is sensational. The Woolworth Building is one of my favourite buildings ever, maybe. Definitely in New York. Um, <clears throat> I felt like I learnt a lot in this video. I had no idea there was such a huge renovation that went into this building. Um, well good, mate. Well good. There was a lot, and, and the walkie-talkies in the video. So win-win. Wow. You got two great mm. skyscrapers side by side, right? Mm. So. I agree. Very different types uh, of, of architecture. Obviously, I love yeah. that neo-gothic um, style. I wish I wish they still built buildings like that in 2023. I really do. Oh, I Is walkie-talkie architecture? Just questioning. Yeah, mate. It's shaped like a. I don't know. Yeah. It's shaped like an object, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's in it. What's a gherkin? What type of architecture is a gherkin? Object uh, outstanding fostering parts designed landmarks, mm. please. Yeah, okay. mm. I don't know, mm. mate. I'm not talking up there. Anyway, the Woolworth building, we can all agree, is a beautiful <laughs> building. I'm I'm a big fan of this. Uh bit of history for you. Way back in 1910, the retail tycoon Frank Winfield Woolworth, you can see where this is going, commissioned a modest new headquarters for his company, and he said at the time that he had no desire to erect a monument that would cause posterity to remember me. As you can probably guess, that went completely out the window when a year later he approved plans for a skyscraper that would be the tallest building on earth uh, and be called the Woolworth Building, but it got the nickname Cathedral of Commerce. And I really like that because it's a good kind of it's a good nod to the architecture here and how it was designed. So when the skyscraper boom first kicked off in the US, you've got to remember these buildings for the first time became the tallest buildings in a city other than a church cathedral. It was always a church spire, church cathedral, or some kind of big religious statement at the middle of a middle of a city. So as tall buildings started to dominate, and in order to get across the 
the kind of importance and generate respect for their buildings, they basically borrowed lots of architecture from cathedrals and medieval design. Uh, so architect Cass Gilbert went for this kind of neo-Gothic look um, and he kind of weaved, it, what he said was his job was to weave in our pattern of own civilization into the beauty that is our inheritance. It's a mm. very fancy quote. Basically, he borrowed a lot of uh, European Gothic ornamentation, which you can see all over the uh, the Woolworth building. But despite that, it was actually quite a modern construction for its day. So there was a 57th floor observation deck. There was a basement pool. You had sort of fancy windows. It was a very nicely put together building. It completed in 1912 and stretched 241 meters into the sky uh, and was basically the world's tallest building until it was beaten by the Chrysler building in 1930. It's crazy to think this was completed before the First World War. Yeah. Like that is... Mm. That is crazy, isn't it? And this is a tall building. Tall building. Yeah, it's bizarre when you think of it that way. New York really was ahead of everyone in that regard, wasn't it? Skyscrapers. That's an obvious thing to say. Would would they have had to have brought over construction crew from Europe, do you think, to help build it? Because it's that certain with elements of like European style and things like that. Because you you wouldn't just be able to go, you know, back then to you know, US construction crew, hey, we're going to build this European-style cathedral skyscraper. No, it's a Off good you question. Go. You must be right. Yeah, they must have brought over, like, stonemasons and mm. certainly the designs were imported over. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a good question. They probably did. Of course, 1912 is when this completed. That's also the year the Titanic sank. So that gives it kind of a perspective wow. in history for you. It was a very, it's a very long time ago now. So... Yeah, obviously it, it it was built, it was completed, it was obviously built in this style we talked about, but it, as I said, it fell out of fashion quite quickly. So by the 1960s, New York had kind of moved on. You had ornamentation went out the window, minimize, minimalism came in. So you've got things like the Union Carbide Building, which you talked about in the video, uh, the original World Trade Center towers, so, you know, very sort of aggressive, blocky, minimalist buildings. And the world that the Woolworth Building represented kind of seemed pretty archaic so everyone was kind of moving on from that architecture and it's around that time 1969 that the singer building which again was also once one of the tallest buildings in the world was demolished there is general outrage across new york about the singer building right whenever we talk about it in videos everyone's like how did they demolish such a beautiful Mm. building that was in the Mm. same league as the woolworth building shocking yeah it's shocking mate i can't believe i cannot believe they knock that down. It's still to this day one of the tallest buildings ever purposely demolished, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, oh, mate, what were they thinking? And I, I wonder if we're, we're doing that, not to skip ahead too much, but I wonder if we're doing that today, even in like London, you know, maybe we're knocking down mid-century buildings, post-war buildings, and older and in a few years' time we'll live to regret it maybe because one, once once you've knocked it down... It's too late, isn't it? Can't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is where the power of uh, like heritage listing and uh, UNESCO World Heritage Sites, and that's kind of a more extreme example, but like listing and protection of buildings is so important in cities and across societies because it does enable you to retain your heritage into the future. But it can be a bit of a curse. So, and and this is kind of what happened with the Woolworth building, right? So, in New York, there is this thing called registered landmark status. So there's the New York City Landmarks Preservation Commission, which they actually established in 1962 
after Penn Station was demolished. Now, everyone still, again, is outraged over Penn Station and says that the new Penn Station they're trying to build should be a replica of the old one that was demolished. Again, this I, I never saw it. A few people did. But it was in the same league, pretty much, as Grand Central. It was beautiful. And they demolished it to make way for what is now Madison Square Garden and a pretty terrible underground train station. So that triggered the Landmarks Preservation Commission being established and that has since gone on to protect buildings like Grand Central Terminal um, and Washington Square Park, which is nice. But if anyone's ever been to Washington Square Park, it's pretty crazy down there. It's a pretty crazy part of New York. <laughs> There's some, um, <laughs> some weird old stuff going in. Well, fast forward to 90... Sorry, going on, going in. Uh, fast forward to 1970, and the present, this Preservation Committee in New York actually scrapped a plan to award the Woolworth Building landmark status because its owners protested. So they were like, we don't want this landmark status thing because that puts loads of restrictions on how we can adapt the building, how we can refurbish it, this, the extent and quality we have to do for the refurbishment work. So they were like, please don't curse us with preserving this building as a landmark because it's going to cost us a load more money to sort out and fix. The, the, basically, the refurbishment which happened in the 1970s wasn't going very well. Um, the The building was... Up until that point, the uh, terracotta tiles, sorry, terracotta tiles that were used to clad the building were cracking. Uh, they were constantly being repaired. There was rainwater seeping in, which was rusting the steel structure. So that was really the catalyst for what was a really big restoration of this in the 1970s. Uh, they replaced all the exterior windows. They retiled the building, but the costs of that spiraled from eight million US dollars to twenty-two million US dollars, which is more than double, as you can see, and back in the day was a lot of money and kind of basically was a precursor to many future projects in New York. I can't believe this, mate. The terracotta tiles crack in to the point where it can affect the actual structure of the tower. It's wild, isn't it? Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. They eventually, they eventually got the uh, refurbishment paid for through basically a system of tax breaks. Right. And then the, once that refurbishment was done, the city then gave uh, the Woolworth Building city landmark status in 1982. So it then became a protected building. So it now can't be heavily adapted or demolished, which is good. So it can't go the same way as the Singer Building or other towers mm. that have since been wiped off the face of the New York map. So. Yeah. I find it bizarre that there are companies, though, that would jump at the opportunity to knock this thing down and build something else. And to me, as, a, as an architecture fan, as a construction fan, I find it absolutely outrageous, but we see it all the time. Can't trust them, mate. Can't trust them because they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll try and find a loophole or something, right? Yeah, it's not yeah, There's a lot, of money, a lot of money involved if they can do it, though. Isn't there? Yeah. It's always the main main thing driving it. Yeah, big yeah. time, mate. We talked about this in the video a bit as well. It's like how economies drive skyscraper construction ultimately. So if there's a need for something, if the city needs to move on, then that's how you know, the Union Carbide Building has been demolished to make way for 270 Park Avenue that I talked about at the start of the episode. Like that was obviously it's not the best looking building, but it was a representation of the sixties. And they've just taken that down. The whole skyscraper has come down to make mm. way for another, you know, the next iteration of tall building. So, yeah, it's about money and money and economy is what drives it, which they're is actually, why... 
which is why I think these these preservation things are so important. Sorry. Yeah. No. 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 It's right, mate. I. It's um. There's actually a really similar thing happening in London with the Aviva Tower in the Square Mile. Oh, it's yeah. not. It's not the prettiest building, but I do think it's important to have layers to a city and to have sort of the growth of different architecture and styles and who's to say future generations won't look back at it and go oh actually that's kind of cool like the minimalism of it is kind of cool fashions come and go don't they like kids now like these gen z kids are dressing like it's the early 2000s now right and it's like <laughs> you've become very old man today like you're like these gen z kids today. <laughs> i know a few minutes fringe. ago you were like these developers you can't trust them you can't trust them <laughs> I'm waving your much... waving your walking stick at the wall. <laughs> too much time with Liam, mate. Too much time with Liam. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, but you know, you know what I mean. Like trends come and go, don't they? And uh, I still think it's important to document it. There, there are there are occasions where it's totally allowed, right? And it's like, yeah, that wasn't that good in the first place. But anyway, anyway, yeah, I, I knew a couple of people that work at Aviva, and uh, it's funny that building they used to call it the the black box or like the Batman headquarters because it was very sort of <laughs> very weird looking tower on the skyline. But you can see that's it's got this big public space in front of it. You can see it's crying out for I think they're but is it not what they're putting on it now? That great big massive box thing. Yeah, it's a big it's a big boy. Um is it the trellis or something they're gonna Yeah. Put? It's a, it's gonna be as tall, if not slightly taller. I think they're figuring out the uh specifics of it at the moment than the shard yeah they want it to be taller than the shard yeah it's gonna be london's tallest building bigger than 22 bishops gate as well so yeah 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 Mm, keep an eye on that and see what happens yeah um now we've talked about the Woolworth building being protected that protection uh obviously dictates the building has to stay there what the external looks like to an extent what the inside uh looks like and how far it can be adapted but that hasn't stopped developers basically adapting its use. So the Woolworth building that was originally constructed as an office building has now evolved into luxury apartments. So this was happening before the pandemic, but the pandemic has definitely catalyzed it. Um, and because the Woolworth building does have this prestige and this kind of name cachet in New York, that led developers to convert the top 30 stories of it into luxury accommodation. So that happened back in 2012. Uh, they started a seven-year project that was led by Alchemy Properties. It was a seven-year project starting in 2012, as I said. Um, they converted, as I said, the top 30 floors into 33 apartments, including at the very top a five-story castle-in-the-sky penthouse, which is absolutely insane. It looks incredible. It's got balconies, the fit-out, the views, the interior architecture is is stunning. Um, so this is quite a clever way of bringing the Woolworth building into the current market you know it wasn't really desirable for office space anymore it's quite small for office space by modern standards so adapting it and continuing its use albeit into luxury housing market was a good way of kind of updating the building and bringing it forward Mm. um now the projects to do that was incredibly complex so because this building is on a very uh congested area of lower manhattan and it's got all this delicate ornamentation all over it. You know, there's sculptures, there's there's carvings, there's all this sort of stuff all over it. They couldn't put a crane next to the building or on the roof of the building. So every element of the refurb had to be done uh, through the building's interior elevators. So any bit of 
plant material stonework windows had to be broken down small enough to come up and down the building's small elevator shafts which was an incredible project but that did push the budget up as is pretty classic in new york so the initial budget was 150 million us dollars uh final price isn't known but the bill is reportedly 220 million dollars oh yeah mate now if you're thinking the developer you know would have made that money back on luxury apartments it didn't quite go so well so sales of the units have actually been pretty slow Data from 2021 showed that only 22 of the 33 apartments had been sold. Uh, and the big, this is the big rub. Earlier this year, the penthouse, which is 9,700 square foot, that big castle in the sky I described, finally shifted after six years on the market. But the list price was $110 million originally. That's let it go for $30 million. Wow. That hurts, right? I mean, it's still 30 yeah. million quid, but. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a huge difference. What what a deal someone's got on that? I suppose if it was empty for six years, right? The developer must have been like, "All right, let's just get rid of it." Mm. I mean, it is a discount, yeah, obviously. But is it that just the the price was hyperinflated in the first place? So we say Probably. it's a good deal, or is it just like actually it's more where it should be ballpark? I mean, it does. Seem drastic, thirty million. They, they sell New York um, property on square foot, don't they? They do, but also, obviously, location, location, location is the thing. So, your address, your view, the status symbol. I mean, this is literally a one of a kind penthouse. No one else in the world can replicate this or get this. Hmm. So, I'm surprised it went that low. But I think it speaks to. Probably the luxury market topping out a bit. The time of the you know the time of I don't know the time the, the time of economy they were selling it in, and also as as Hitan says in the video, you know the, the guy we interview in the video, is this the sort of thing that your big hedge fund manager, the you know the kind of person that's going to spend one hundred and ten million dollars on an apartment, is this what they're after? Probably not. They probably want something up on billionaires row. You know. Mm. Mm. Location's good though, isn't it? Because it's near Wall Street, right? So hmm. you'd imagine it's in that part of New York as opposed to billionaires, which is more midtown, isn't it? Or Central Park, right? Hmm. So there is that location. I, I I'm surprised that it, it was on it, how long was it on the market for? Did you say six? Yeah, so I just want to be clear on the math for this. So they started building the renovation in twenty twelve as in a seven year project, but they started marketing the property before they finish. So the mar- property was on the market for six years. Oh, mate. Yeah. That's wild. That is wild. Yeah. Interesting. It's interesting stuff. I would live there in a heartbeat if I had a couple bill just like <laughs> floating about. <laughs> I'd love it. The old building. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Lovely. I'd like to see inside. I'm not sure I could live there, but I would like to see inside it. I bet it's beautiful. Very well done. Yeah. And someone, someone's had a right bargain on that. (laughs) (laughs) Bring up the estate and I'll offer 30 million. Yeah. Great. (laughs) Imagine the commission on that bad boy. Oh, yes, please. (laughs) Fraction of what it should have been, though. Yeah. Yeah, True. Mm. True. 
Anyway, guys, let us know what you think about the Woolworth building. It is beautiful. It is an icon of New York. You can't miss it. I saw it last week. At night, it's even more breathtaking because they've lit it in this very sort of dramatic way. I love this building. I love this skyscraper. I love that it's managed to surf the ages through New York and get registered and stay in existence. I think it speaks to speaks to a few things. It speaks to how important it is to retain heritage, but how difficult that can be in a city that's constantly evolving like New York. And it, for me, it underlines the importance of these, uh, you know, landmark protection status things that we have. I think it's a good story, good project. Let us know your thoughts, guys. Get your feedback coming in podcast at the B1M.com. So today's episode is sponsored by Trimble Viewpoint. With over 500,000 users and voted collaboration product of the year 12 years running, Viewpoint for Projects, or VFP, is trusted by Europe's largest construction companies to manage their projects. That includes the likes of Wilmot Dixon, Bellway Homes, Vinci and many more, all of whom use VFP to simplify project information management. You can easily share and collaborate on documents and drawings with revision control, workflows, and review and markup features, all while adhering to rigorous security standards. Guys, check out uh, Trimble Viewpoint and Viewpoint for Projects. We've dropped the link in the description of this podcast. It's also all over Google, so do go and have a look at that. Awesome, mate. There's, uh, I was actually speaking to uh, Darren over at Trimble the other day uh, around this and around a project they they were working on with Carillion. Can you remember? Krillian, Fred? Oh, yeah, the massive contract. They went bust in 2018, I think. They collapsed. Yeah, 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 they did. So uh, Krillian was using uh, Viewpoint for field projects and working on um, working with the NHS Trust to build, I think it was a hospital in uh, Midland Metropolitan Hospital back in 2018 when they collapsed. So Krillian collapses and leaves half a constructed hospital, right? The NHS Trust then had to sort of scramble to find a new contractor, but then they also had to preserve the existing information flow and maintain yeah. it moving forward with a new contractor. So it's just so you've, a, got, you've got all the all the drawings, all the design information, all the product information mid hospital. Oh, I, I hospital, my first project, as you guys know, famously. Yeah, um, incredibly complex scheme. So midway through, contractor yeah. goes busts. Yeah, work data. It's crazy. The Viewpoint, um, so, so Darren was saying the Viewpoint team worked with the trust to transfer all the cloud data data to the new contractor, Belfer BD, to finish the construction management of the project. How cool is that? I thought, it was a really, I, thought it, I thought you would find that interesting because I know your first project was on a hospital. And it's just a pretty interesting story, isn't it? Yeah, and it, I guess it speaks to the and I'm not I'm not selling this guy. I'm not this is I'm genuinely saying this right. It speaks to the power of digital information and digital collaboration and having your stuff backed up online in a common data environment especially in today's market where the economy is tough there are businesses there's members of the supply chain going bust hopefully not major contractors going bust but you know there are businesses struggling going into liquidation so the importance of having data in a well-structured organized location especially when you've got projects like a hospital that inevitably spans several years is incredibly important. I should say that's not just for the build phase, like having that information available for the operation and maintenance phase as well. You know, so hospital trusts can understand what buildings they've got, how to operate them, how to run them is critically important. So 
yeah, honestly, guys, tools like Viewpoint for Projects, incredibly powerful to use. They make a lot of sense. They're collaborative. They're intuitive. I would highly recommend them on all construction projects. So, yeah, do go and check that out. Link is in the description of the podcast episode. Also in the news this week, we are swinging over to Saudi Arabia, kind of as we always do quite a bit on this podcast, because there is so much news coming out of Saudi Arabia. Uh, this week, they've announced Leisure? Leia? I'm not really sure how to pronounce this. But basically, you've got three new hotels being built on the west coast of its Neo Mega development. Each of these is going to be a luxury boutique hotel of just 40 rooms, and each one has a very distinct theme. I have to say, I say it a lot with Saudi Arabia, I've never seen anything like this. It really is mind-blowing stuff. So the first hotel is adventure-themed, and it's got this staircase-like design that literally climbs the cliff sides of the mountain valley that it's built within. And that's supposed to be like a nod to mountaineering and other high-adrenaline activities available nearby. Mm. it's difficult to describe on a podcast because I've never seen anything like this. I'm getting kind of multi-story car park vibes. Don't know if you guys agree with that. Is that fair? <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting kind of like metallic kind of rusty beams. Yeah. In a good way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in a loft sort of way. Yeah, like iron like kind of beams. If you look at like yeah. the second picture, sorry, yeah. the, fir- the first picture and the third picture. Yes. Very futuristic. Yeah. It's getting annoying at this point, mate. You know, <laughs> these Saudi projects, you're like, oh, flaming it. These are good, aren't they? Yeah. They're very, I, very, very good. I have a lot of questions on this. Like, so where, where are the windows? Uh, how do you get to it? Where's the access road? Like, there's lots of questions. Yeah. Like, it does look out of this world. I have to say, I've never seen a building like it. If they can build that, then blimey be very impressed um second hotel is conceived as an oasis in the mountains and that's probably the most realistic looking to it's still very dramatic it's got these kind of uh triangular pyramid toblerone shaped bars basically guys all stacked vertically uh in a cluster it's got a kind of a very cathedral look Mm. to it again looks like something out of star wars honestly very very cool Uh, and then the third one is being designed as a wellness retreat and that has a mirrored facade that is uh, it's, the idea is it reflects the surroundings and minimizes its impacts on the environment. Um, this looks like the line, basically. They've built a mini line mm. uh, in the mountains with a pool on top. It, it, this, All three of these are insane, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, mate. It's, I don't understand how we're getting concept after concept, after concept, after concept in Saudi Arabia and all in a similar area. You know, they really Mm. are pushing, aren't they? They really are pushing for this part of the country or I suppose the whole country really to be a tourist destination, right? Yeah. Because if you you build this and it actually looks like this and it's actually functional, I could see a lot of people going here. I could see it being a luxury sort of getaway, a new Dubai, you know, for the 2030s or, you know, whenever they, they're going to actually build this stuff. I'm a little bit sceptical, though, whether it's actually going to happen or not. There's, yeah, there's a comment here that says, uh, all these renderings have zero infrastructure in or out of them. It looks good mm. conceptually, but there's going to be a ton of roads around them 
or and generally needed to and from Neo. So yeah, like what about sewage? Yeah, where's that going to go? Are they, they going to build? The, um, is it the Burj where they had all the poo <laughs> <Yeah>. trucks <laughs> just lined <laughs> up? Poop trucks, mate. Yeah, yeah. Going There's into a bit the, in the uh, bit in the press release for this where it says uh, the hotels enable people to experience the beautiful, unspoiled surroundings. And people are commenting like, well, if you build three hotels there, it's going to be a bit more spoiled. <laughs> <laughs> um, but generally, people are saying Star Wars vibe, June vibe, yeah. renders look yeah. incredible, Mars-like. It is very Mars-like. Um, yeah, I, I, I know there's lots of questions, and we talked about it but before with Saudi Arabia. There are lots of ethical questions that arise. There are lots of logistical questions, but as an inspiring piece of architecture that makes you think and presents something different, my God, mm. does this tick the box? Yeah, big time. Big time. Let's see. Let's see if it actually happens, mate. Also this week, we are swinging over to Sydney, kind of marking Sydney, really, because I'm about to head down there for the Get Construction Talking event. Can't have mentioned that enough on the podcast. 2nd of November, the Get Construction Talking <laughs> event. Uh, me and Liam are going to be there in Sydney with some of the B1M team. Can't wait for that. Uh, the Sydney Opera House has turned 50 years old. So on the 20th of October, just gone, uh, the Sydney Opera House turned 50. We put a picture up of it under construction uh, all those years ago. And I just wanted to talk about it, really, because it's a landmark building. I think there was a there was a whole journey about what could have been built there and what it was supposed to look like. But them sticking with this design, pushing it through, has created what is... It, for me, it puts Australia on the map. It's the most iconic standout piece of architecture in Australia. If you're going to ask a kid to draw Australia, they would draw Sydney Opera House. If you're going to put an mm, icon on the map for Australia, they'd draw Sydney a kangaroo, Opera House. mate, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Touche. If they were to well, draw a building. Well, I my think, daughter I has a world map. Your... Yeah, okay. I was going to say, why don't you should go ask your son after this podcast and say, hey, little fella, draw me what you think Australia is. Oh, fella. <laughs> he watches uh, the rescuers down under quite a bit, so he'd probably draw like a snake or a lizard or something. Yeah. My niece and uh, my nephew um, are crazy into Bluey, which oh, yeah. is an Australian Mate. TV I love show. Bluey. Bluey's it? great. Is in Brisbane. My brother's been going on about how there's deeper meanings to Bluey. Oh, oh yeah, I was yeah. like, what? He goes, yeah, no, Luke, there's deeper meanings to Bluey. I'm like, all right. And there's like <laughs> mental health episodes. There's like, mm. oh, the parent is doing okay episodes. Yeah, there's trauma, childhood trauma episodes. Crazy. That's it's funny, very, mate. It's very it was, uh, raining here today. And uh-huh. I didn't take, I, I took the dog for a walk like early in this, this mm. afternoon. He's a bit bored being inside. So I flicked Bluey on and I put his bed in front of it and he stretches out <laughs> and he looks like a little old man. <laughs> he just sits there, sits there watching could- it. Someone said, I don't know how true this is. This, this could be completely made up. Someone said that the show has all the colors that dogs can see. The cartoon has all the colors dogs can see. So if you put it on in front of your dog, your dog's just glued to the screen. So he'd watch it, and then an episode came out. Like, there were like two-minute snippets. One came on about dinosaurs, and he just lost his mind and got the zoomies and just started just running around <laughs> the house. What? Really? <laughs> yeah. Anyone got a dog? Put Bluey on YouTube, and um, they should just chill out for a bit or be like mine and just, just turn a bit mental. 
Oh, brilliant. There's some good uh, content in there for adults as well, like some adult humour. It makes it very watchable. It's good. There's a bit where they were building a bit of furniture and the dad goes, it's like this is, there's this sort of cartoon dog in the furniture guide and he goes, oh, I'm not taking advice from a cartoon dog on how to build something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some really good lines like that. Um, but yeah, um, Sydney Opera House, guys, it's not, mm. it's not as old as you think it is. It's kind of so synonymous with Sydney. You think it's been there forever. But yeah, only just turned 50 and looking pretty good for it, I would say. Yeah, mm. it's outstanding, mate. It's got to yeah. be one of the most um, iconic buildings built after World War II in the world. I would agree. You pick up an architecture book, or you go yeah. to your local bookshop and look at the architecture section, you will see the Sydney Opera House on the front of a, one of the books or one of the encyclopedias. He's there. Mm. Like, yeah, an icon. Head of its flag time, because it's, it's a great building, and we should be talking about it, especially as we're about to head to Sydney. Guess I mm. mentioned that enough. Uh, finally this week we are swinging over to Singapore where a new vertical garden hotel has been constructed so Singapore as you know is already like a bit of an urban garden it's, it's beautiful uh, but Woha have now built a 350 room hotel this is the Pan Pacific Orchard Hotel and it's unlike anything I've seen before so they've built a skyscraper effectively but then taken huge chunks outside of it to create these open terraces uh, which are used for all sorts of things. You've got outdoor amenities. There's a pool. There's a bar. There's a, I think, a mini golf course at one point. Uh, incredible building. It's beautiful. It is dripping in greenery and trees. It's got these massive living columns that go up it, and they've planted trees and plants across those columns. The idea is to visually connect the building vertically across its 23 stories. Um, and the, they say, the the architects say, that the project replaced 200% of its site area with greenery. I have to say, looking at the pictures, I can well believe it. This was completed in summer of 2023, and it's got the Green Mark Platinum Rating, which is Singapore's highest environmental certification. I bloody love this. What do you guys think? Love it, mate. Absolutely love it. I think mm. this is probably one of my favourite projects we've covered. Ooh. Wow. I love, I love the mirroring on between the levels if you look yeah. at the third slide i just love like it's like tiling and it just makes it looks a lot longer like it's more like elongated mm. yeah, yeah i really like it the interior is amazing too it's phenomenal that shot of inside it's like a grand like victorian hall kind of thing yeah on paper uh, <laughs> here he is. Here we go. The cladding. Here we go. On paper, there's no, there's no DLR the station. <laughs> On paper, uh, I was going to say I don't think it has any right to look as good as what it actually does. Yeah, like it doesn't strike me as an architectural marvel, and yet the the execution. The finish, the garden space, the the photos, the interior, it really does work, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, hats off to them for going, yeah, we could have a lot more floor space. We could have a lot more hotel, hotel rooms, yeah. But they didn't. They showed constraint, didn't they? And they, they've got something really, really cool. Singapore, mate. Like, I don't think this would look very good in a lot of other places, you know. It just wouldn't no. be built as well. There's something about like garden stuff in Singapore that just works. 
they get they get the gardens on there on buildings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sky gardens, everything. Yeah, it just. It, I don't know if it's because it's like kind of like tropical weather. It's really hot. Mm. It's really humid. It just kind of goes with that kind of that kind of climate. Mm. Yeah, but definitely works. Woha in particular, they're an architecture firm. I think they're based in Singapore. They also did the Oasia Hotel downtown Singapore, which is that red kind of like the red, red cage structure with yeah. all the trees. Robert. So they they know their stuff. But this is this is beautiful. And as I said, I've never seen anything like it because you've got the height. They've obviously gone to the permitted height for that site. They've built a skyscraper, mm. but without the floor space that you'd get from building that tall because they've taken these huge chunks at the side of the building to create these big open voids that are just breathtakingly beautiful. Mm. And the comments, like there's just wall-to-wall positive feedback on this. People saying a wonderful way to integrate greenery into the design. Um, one guy was saying, I love these renders. It'd be great to see what it turns out like. And then the architect's Woha actually pitched back saying, no, no, these are the finished people. This is the, this is the pictures. These are the, this is the finished building. It's incredible. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty unanimous on the comment section, guys. Wall-to-wall love for the structure, so... Yeah, big fan. Would you stay here? Easy. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And it looks like every hotel room gets a view. Is that right? Like, if you look at where the actual rooms are, Mm. whether it's uh, looking at the city or at one of the courtyard things, it's phenomenal. Yeah, I really would like to go to Singapore, mate. Mm. Really like it. I know you're going to the airport, aren't you? I am actually specifically chosen. Specifically, sorry. Specifically chosen to connect through Singapore just so I could spend three hours going around Changi Airport. Can't wait. Can't wait. Mate, jealous. Mm. Jealous. (laughs) It's going to be cool. It's going to be cool. Well, guys, uh, lots of cool stuff happening in the news right now. Uh, Get your feedback, get your thoughts coming in. Podcast at the B1M.com. Swing on over to the inbox. What you got for us, Luke? Right, we got a message that came in, an email from Mark D. Assis, uh, who says, Thanks for all the great videos and podcasts. The podcasts are now a normal part of my daily commute. I really love the banter, especially when Fred loses the quizzes. Uh, question, <laughs> when, when did Fred realise he has the perfect voice for radio and podcasts? I actually find it really relaxing to listen to, which makes it perfect for the drive to work. Very complimentary. Aww. Very complimentary of you, Fred. Mm. Basically saying face for radio is what you just yeah. said. Yeah, you have a head for radio, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I don't know. I, I'm not sure when it occurred to me. Um, no, I don't know. I mean, losing the quizzes is just... The whole world can see it, Liam. They can hear you typing. They can hear you Googling. They know what this is about. <laughs> <laughs> next quiz i can't wait especially we're going to put in like the actual proper system of digging in yeah we'll, we'll put a proper system in fine we'll put mm. a proper system in. bring it on I man i had a very interesting fact about a u.s state uh construction related fact about a u.s state last week that is an unbelievable bit of trivia that i'm 100 percent popping in the next quiz oh really yeah. is it common All knowledge right. though no it's not common knowledge Liam. well Lord, you're over now it's a common knowledge test isn't it is it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, quiz, quiz is about common knowledge on like where Babylon areas. Like, like where Babylon Subjects. was. It's an architecture quiz. <laughs> where was that again, Liam? Remind I can't me remember. <laughs> oh, that's funny. 
That's funny. You can't remember now. Well, thanks uh, for the email. That was lovely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cheers, Mark. Thank you, mate. Thank you, mate. Oh, dear. This has been a good episode. I've enjoyed this. Yeah, yeah it's mate. good having Luke back. Back on the grind, mate. Back on the grind. We love it. Some good yeah. buildings, though, this week. Good projects. Mm. Yeah, a bit of Saudi Arabia, Arabia, a bit of New mates. York, a bit of Singapore, a bit of Sydney. Been all over, haven't we? I uh, I just saw your Instagram post of uh, of the Park Avenue Tower. A mate looks sensational, doesn't it? Yeah. What about yeah, the building? Excited. What? What about the building? Saying you're saying I look sensational. What about the building? <laughs> yeah, mate. <laughs> what? Building what? building nearly <laughs> looks as good. Nearly looks as good. <laughs> that joke didn't work. We have to explain the joke. It doesn't work. Yeah. So, uh, no. Great. What a great way to end. Uh, guys, don't forget, this episode was sponsored by Trimble Viewpoint, and Viewpoint for Projects, or VFP, is available right now. It's worth looking into. We've talked about the fantastic impact it's had on uh, some major projects, and also the fact that it's used by many major contractors across Europe. So do go and check that out. It's Viewpoint for Projects. The link is in the description of the podcast. Uh, you can also type it into the old Google, and it will come up from there. Um, so yeah take a look let us know what you think big thanks to Trimble Viewpoint for sponsoring today we really appreciate it and as always guys keep your emails coming in keep your feedback coming in I'm looking forward to seeing you all down under in Australia it's going to be cracking Uh, and we will uh, yeah we'll talk to you soon anything you want to add anything you want to close out with guys see you next week great (laughs) leave us a review leave us a review (laughs) click that five star button (laughs) <laughs> Liam, go on. Leave us with a, a, a wise anecdote. Ooh, there you go. He's, he's gone blank. Start Cho- choose your choose your beaches wisely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never eat a banana on a mm. Australian beach. Mm. Yeah. I don't want a nudist beach. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Give us that five star review. Get your comments coming in, and we'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Supermarket. There's a supermarket here called Woolworth. So <laughs> <laughs> the main supermarket. <laughs> there is. Great. There Wait, sorry, when I was in England, everyone banged on about Woolworths. I lived in England all up like eleven years. That yeah, thing, they, they, they must have gone, gone away like twenty play, years yeah. ago. <laughs> <laughs> you guys all still talk about it. Happened like twenty years ago. Stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I used to be like Woolworths. <laughs> <laughs> in the nineties or something. <laughs> Talked about it in two thousand eight when I lived there, and you're still talking about it in two thousand twenty one when I left. Yeah, it's true. I'll take you to Woolworths <laughs> on Monday, mate. Pick a mix, mate. Mad actually... pick and mix. Hey, I do that. <laughs> might have that. Yeah, they got that here, mate. Yeah. Wow, maybe it is the same. Yeah. No waitress. <laughs> Uh, why? What is? What is? I'm not sure we can keep this in. Right. Okay. Start again. Ready? Yeah.